The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back. And thanks for joining us on this Tuesday morning and giving me the opportunity to be part of your day. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to be able to teach and hopefully be an encouragement to you. Uh, if you're following along with us, we are in the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, we started that a week or so, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we are in 2 Corinthians and we're working our way through really the second half of chapter 3. So we're going to cover basically from 12 to the end of the chapter in chapter 3 and talk about it. And I love this as he's teaching this church. Remember, we mentioned this is a letter written to the church of Corinth, the second letter written to the church of Corinth. And, and this is a church that's come out of a lot of tradition, a lot of pagan worship. And, and in those days, a lot of the uh, the Judaistic people, those who held to the Old Testament teaching, didn't like the idea that it was, in their minds, being ignored. It wasn't. It was being completed. But they didn't want to leave all of these traditions. And so they're, they're doing everything they can to combine these two. And Paul, uh, the apostle of Christ, who's trying to help them understand the truth. And please remember, they're writing the New Testament. They don't have the New Testament to go to to read. This is happening real time. They're writing this and living it. And so we look at this and being taught. So that helps us to understand a little bit of interpretation of why Paul finding it important to say the things he is. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, let's go to verse number 12. Uh, he says here, Seeing then that we have such hope, uh, we use great plainness of speech. Now let me just explain. When he says plainness of speech, really what he means is boldness. That's really the better word for it. Use boldness of speech. So we're going to be very bold to explain the truth of what Jesus has done, that Christ has come not to, not to add to the law, but he has come to fulfill. He has completed the law. When he said on the cross, it is finished. The law was completed. This new age had started, and they're moving into this church age, the age of grace, whatever term you want to use, and they move forward, and things are a bit different. The Old Testament looked to the cross. The Old Testament looked to the sacrifice. The Old Testament looked looked forward to Jesus, the New Testament, and today we look back to Jesus. And so the gospel, the whole scripture, the Bible is one um, narr redemptive narrative that all points to Jesus. It all points to the gospel. And you can even say it's focused itself right there at the cross. Old Testament looking forward to the sacrifices, New Testament looking back to communion and things of that nature. Remember all that Jesus has done for us. So he's saying we have this boldness. We have this reality. We should be more plain. We should be more bold in what we're saying. Verse 13, he said, Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end that which is abolished. And so remember, when Moses has spent time with God, uh, he, he had been able to see part of God, and he was, his face glowed. And it was kind of weird or whatever. He thought, it would be, whatever it is, he covered it. He covered his face so people couldn't see it. And there was things that took place there that only Moses experienced. And so what kind of, he gives this picture, just like that veil was over Moses' face and the people didn't get a full understanding of what's happening, the law was similar to that. The law gave them rules. The law talked about the future. The law talked about the things they needed to do. But there seemed to be bits of missing information as to the completion, which, of course, would come in the, at the cross in the writing of the New Testament. Verse 14, But their minds were blinded, for unto this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. He says the same thinking is the same. When they couldn't see Moses and fully experience or understand what Moses experienced on, the, on that mountain, the same idea happens here, where he says the Old Testament, it's still like this veil. That he goes, 
really what they looked at is the Old Testament points to Jesus, points to the Messiah, but they never allowed it to happen. Because he says the Old Testament points to the Christ, which it does. And the people didn't want that. They wanted to live in the abstract nature of the Old Testament. In fact, many Jews still look for the Messiah coming, which he's already come. But that's what they're saying. The Old Testament, they, they look at the Old Testament the way people saw Moses in the day. That they're missing information. They're giving what they want, but they're missing information. Their minds are blinded, he said, in verse 14. Verse 15. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. Same thing, even when the Old Testament is read, they're still missing the truth of Christ. Verse 16, nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. When they shall be able to see the truth. And that's, that's really what we're trying to do in the New Testament is take off that veil. To, to those who are holding the Old Testament to today, we'd say we're trying to take off that veil of uh, the lies of the world. Religion is a lie. Uh, work, work your way to heaven is a lie. Your good outweighs your bad and you get to heaven. That's all a lie. The answer is simply Jesus Christ. And we need to come to him and repent of our sin and put our faith in him. That's the truth. So today, there's this cloud of religion. It's similar. They used law and religion to Today's still the cloud of religion, and they're using that, and that is still the confusion today. That is what's often is the thing keeping people from coming to Jesus Christ. And he is saying that that's, he goes, we get to see Christ is the one that's going to, he empties all this. He's already here, and so we teach Christ. He says in verse 17, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So now we have the Spirit, and we're no longer stuck to the Old Testament law. We have liberty. We have this grace. We have a new life. Um, remember, the, 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 the synagogue, the temple, the Pharisees, Sadducees of the day, what they had done is they had taken this Old Testament law that ended in Malachi. And remember, there was a 400-year gap from that last scripture of Malachi to Matthew when, when God spoke again. 400-year gap, that's, that's a long time. And so in that time, these priests in the desire, instead of just waiting for God's instruction, they started adding to. They added their own, and uh, it became very humanistic, very ritualistic, very oppressive in its religious structure. What I mean by religion is a man-made structure. And so they added all these things, and he says, listen, when we get the Lord, when you truly get saved, you're not bound to these things. You have liberty. You have liberty. You don't have to live in the legalistic society. You don't have to live by all these man-made rules because you have liberty in Christ. Verse 18, but we all, with open faces, beholding as in the glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, here's where he talks about the idea of gospel transformation. He goes, as we with open faces, we're not hiding anything. Reality, we behold as in the glass, the glory of the Lord. The glass is a mirror there. Because we behold, we see the truth of Jesus like we're looking in a mirror. So when we look in this book, we see God. And we see Jesus, and we see who we could be. And then we are, through the Word of God, through the working of Christ, transformed into the image of what's in this mirror. We, we see ourselves, but really what we see is what Jesus, what God wants us to be, more like His Son. So He uses circumstances, and He uses the truth and, of the Word of God in teaching and worship and, and, and church and all of these things that He's designed, and He uses these to transform us to more like the image of his son. So we look in the mirror. James says the same thing. We look in this mirror, the Bible, and we're, you know, we can see ourselves, we can see what we could be. Now let me give you an idea on this idea of transformation. Here's a great illustration. Let's say a parent wants to get their child to take out the trash. The child doesn't want to do it. 
So mo most parents do is, you know, they put some kind of punishment out there. If you don't take the trash out, this is going to happen, or you won't get this, or you know, take your phone, or whatever, whatever it is they're going to do. And so the child finally, in, in, a, in a level of frustration, takes the trash out. Has this child transformed? Absolutely not. The child probably griped the entire way taking the trash out. There was not transformation. Frankly, there was probably continued rebellion. We've all been in that spot. So here's the premise. Transformation is not an outward conformity. We do that sometimes. If, if we can conform to what church looks like or conform to what we think other people want us to be or conform to religion, then we've done well. The fact is that's empty, and that's religion. Religion makes me conform to a list of rules, but my heart hasn't changed. And so it's not about outside forces getting me to conform and look like them. Transformation is where the Word of God changes my heart from the inside. It helps me to deal with my sin. It helps me to overcome my guilt. It helps me to find freedom and liberty in Christ. And then when my life is changed from the inside, then the outward comes afterwards. God changes me from the inside out. That's transformation. That would be what some say, that's, that's true conviction, not conformity. That is Christ's transformation, not just me adapting to what's going on. And, and we, can, we, we can learn how to look like people and act like people or look like a certain thing, but if you've been in that scenario, you know it's empty. What you need to look for is true transformational change in your life through Jesus Christ through the Word of God. That's what he's offering here. And that's what he says at the beginning. We speak boldly and plainly because that it, we're not living in the Old Testament law missing the truth. We have Jesus. We have this transformational power that changes us from the inside out. Let me tell you, this is not about you conforming or looking good. You know, a lot of times people think, well, I'll come to church and religion when I get things figured out. That is, that's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. He says, come to me as you are, and then I will help you to figure things out. What did Jesus says? I didn't come to bring the righteous to repentance, but sinners. I didn't come to bring self-righteous people who think they've got this figured out. I came to find those who are lost seeking answers. That's who he's seeking after. He might even be seeking after you. And I encourage you to recognize he loves you. And this truth he speaks of is for you and for all of us. And may we see him and, and turn to him, repent of our sin and turn to him and allow him to change our lives from the inside out. Thanks again for joining us on this Tuesday morning and giving me the opportunity to be part of your day. I greatly appreciate the wonderful privilege I have to teach God's word and be part of your day. And I hope it's a help, hope it's an encouragement. Hope you have a great rest of your day and hope you continue to join us and we'll see you again tomorrow.